there's another squad attacking. Welcome to the third party, an Apex Legends podcast hosted by myself, Shay, and joined as always by my co-host, Henry. Henry, how's it going today? It's going well. Uh, we have a lot on our plate here, uh, but excited to be playing Apex, excited for season eight, and we have a lot to talk about. We do. Today we're going to be making a big announcement, sharing some news, diving into all the season eight changes and answering some questions. Before we do any of that, though, make sure you check us out on Instagram and Twitter at Third Party Pod. Sub to our YouTube channel, Third Party Podcast, and stop by our weekly stream, 4 to 6 p.m. PST. If you want two extra podcasts a month and tons of other exclusive benefits, join our Patreon by clicking the link in the description below. Let's start off with our big time announcement. This is a big one. This is a very big change to the podcast itself. Biggest thing we've ever done in the last nearly year. Very much so. We are officially upping our number of episodes from once a week to twice a week. The episodes will now be released at the same time on Wednesday at 2 a.m. PST, and the second episode will be published at 2 a.m. on Saturday. The format going forward will generally follow the model of news, leaks, and rumors on Wednesday, plus a refreshed focus on answering questions from Instagram stories to really increase our interaction with the community. And then on Saturday, we're going to dive into our main in-depth topic, uh, along with having our regular segments, you know, dropped together, all that kind of stuff sprinkled throughout the rest of the shows. I'm really excited about the change. This week, things are a bit different with the big season launch, uh, but this exciting new model for us is really aimed at increasing that engagement with you, the listeners, as well as making the episodes a bit more manageable uh, for everyone involved, shooting that kind of a 35 to 45 minute length compared to what we typically do at 75 to 90 minutes excluding this week potentially as an exception will not be our perfect but that is the goal moving forward for sure let's dive into some five-star reviews review today coming from nylon hey guys you are great at this the fact that you can help so many people at so many skill ranges with your tips and tricks and i just want to thank Jax for recommending this to me Other than that, I want to say that I'm a season five player and started to play really well with my high leveled friends. You guys helped me so much in the Apex journey. Much love. Means a ton to hear that, Nylon. Much appreciate the kind words. Let's dive into the news. First piece of news happy two year anniversary to Apex Legends. Apex initially released on February 4th, 2019, with no announcement or promotion beforehand. Getting into this game was uh, really fun at the time. And in honor of the two-year anniversary, game director Chad Grenier posted an article highlighting the journey this game's been on. Uh, For any Apex fan, it's a great read and can be found on the Apex Legends website. We're not going to spoil too much about it, and really because if we talk about it, Henry and I could have a whole long episode full of the information that was in this uh, content. And so it's definitely going to potentially come up on the Patreon episode or something else in the future. The only thing we want to pull that's worth mentioning from the article is that they state later this year we'll launch new ways to play the game that takes us beyond the battle royale. It's a really exciting quote to come from this. Um, It really was a great read. I think we both really do recommend uh, you give it a check out on the Apex Legends website. Um, It's an incredible game and seeing this stuff behind the scenes just makes it uh, even more impressive. For sure. It's it's a must read for anyone uh, that's played the game for a while or even if you're new to the game and want to understand where it came from. Next piece of news, big changes to ranked for season eight. We have our predator cap going from 500 
to 750. Placement points are now going to be expanded starting in the 13th area from 10th. Kill points increased to 6. So assist points expanded 10 seconds as well from the 7.5 seconds it was beforehand. And promises to tune matchmaking for skill-based and sacrifice queue times. So really we got a lot of interesting changes here that are a bit smaller independently and all together I think are pointing towards trying to make a big change. Yeah, all these tweaks are really a good thing. Essentially, it makes it easier for people to get out of ranks that they don't belong in. It's going to be faster. It's going to be easier for you to settle at where your skill level is. Mm -hmm. And hopefully that in and of itself will make the matchmaking more fair, more balanced. So I'm really excited about it. I think the assists will be a little hard to feel, but it's definitely... Um, substantial, like 25%, 25% mm-hmm. more often you could be getting assist um, if you're doing damage to somebody. Um, and then up in the kill points, that's a maximum of an additional 25 points per game if you're mm-hmm. getting the dub. So, you know, these points all kind of small, like you said, but stacked up, I think this is going to really speed up and make ranked a little bit easier for people to enjoy it more. And I think we're going to be playing more ranked. Mm-hmm. I'm excited for it. And these are positive changes. The only thing that is also going to be coming back is the diamond trail. If you uh, hit diamond, you'll be getting a dive trail, uh, which I already know a lot of people are excited to play ranked because of that, including myself and Henry. No doubt. Another piece of news. EA says Apex Legends has grown 30% in new players year over year. Great to see the consistent growth. Uh, Concurrent seems to be rising as well recently, which is, I think, even more exciting than total player base, but that's some good news for sure. Absolutely. Apex Legends is also going to be coming to Nintendo Switch on March 9th. Will release with crossplay, and Switch players will be given 30 Battle Pass levels to compensate for the late start to the season. You think Nintendo Switch is going to make a big difference for our uh, queues, and I think it's some stacked competition potentially over there? I'm really curious, you know. I think Apex is rated. Mm-hmm. and i think the switch kind of skews a little bit to the younger audience but i also know that you and i both have a switch and we are kind of excited to see how the game plays mm-hmm. on a more mobile basis so i'm i'm kind of reserving my my impressions from this i'm excited you know we have about a month to go until it happens maybe it will really help us on mm-hmm. uh, a more traditional console but i'm wondering what the players are gonna think for sure i'm excited to see what it does in addition to the switch though apex mobile is set to release in the fiscal year of 2022 so march 2021 to 2022 and mobile is set to have a soft launch within the next three to four months in terms of player base uh that's the one that has a potential to really expand and grow the game substantially yeah it's really just about generating that hype Mm -hmm. you know mobile is just such a huge platform that um, everyone has access to, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. not everybody has the newest PlayStation five, but everybody has a smartphone and could play apex. So that's exciting from a, a market standpoint and just kind of a health of the future of the game. I think mobile is a necessary ingredient for sure. We also have the black lives matter badge being released to anyone that logs in yesterday. Not sure if it's going to continue for the rest of the month yet. Nothing says that's at the time of recording. Uh, We just want to continue to applaud EA and Respawn, though, for being progressive on these topics. Absolutely amazing and very good example to be set. Makes us proud to be doing what we're doing, being in association with them and just everything they do to make sure people are getting represented 
and people are getting treated fairly. For sure. Uh, we also have Pathfinder's Quest coming to the game. Henry, tell them where we're at with Pathfinder's Quest. Yeah, so we have the book. The book has been released. We have it in our possession currently in the studio. We're working on how we will cover on the show. We're considering doing like a read aloud on Patreon or something fun like that, or maybe doing a book review or summary on a podcast and maybe a month from now mm-hmm. to avoid just blatant spoilers uh, for people who want to read it themselves. We're really excited about it. I can tell you that it's thick. It's a long Looks read. Looks great. Um, I think it's just going to be jam-packed full of lore. I'm incredibly excited about it. Um, if you have any ideas on how you want us to approach it, uh, we'd love to hear your thoughts through Instagram or Twitter. Um, but you can expect that coming in the future. We'll figure out some way to relay the information that we love and at least highlight stuff. And, you know, we're not going to make you all feel like you have to have owned and read the book to listen to the podcast. So if we are talking about lore in a season or and a half or so that comes from the book, we will make sure you guys know it's from the book, why and all that stuff. So would recommend picking it up thus far just from an aesthetic in the office that you have. Let's now dive into all of the season eight new content. Now to start things off with the bang, we're going to discuss Fuse. Oh, yes. I know um, you've been thinking about that one for a while. That was right off the dome. <laughs> um, so Fuse, new legend season eight. Very excited. Passive. Grenadier. This is kind of what a couple mm-hmm. people already knew, but you're able to now stack an extra grenade per inventory slot. You fire grenades farther, faster, and with more accuracy with that uh, arm-mounted launcher. Yeah, the extra grenade per inventory slot is something that I didn't think it was going to be a big deal. And then I used fuse and I'm like, yeah, that changes how I can approach a fight and just what I can carry. Uh, and the further, faster, more accurate, I've just noticed the speed slightly. Like it, it's very nice. And this is an explosive legend. He's going to be frustrating. He's going to blow you up sometimes. Yeah. I think there's no question that this is a really solid passive. Mm -hmm. Um, I think for players that already prioritize having throwables, like we already have the slots allocated. Mm -hmm. Now we just get double, Yeah, um, which you can really feel. um, I'm typically carrying now five or six grenades Mm -hmm. compared to two, Yeah, you know, which which is a huge difference. So this is a solid passive. I'm excited to continue to play it. Next, the tactical, the knuckle cluster. Uh, I think that's a fun name. Great to start name. Off. Mm-hmm. It's kind of hard to say, um, but I do enjoy it. It's kind of fun. Has a 25 second cooldown that puts it into a pretty middle of the road mm-hmm. uh, tactical, a single charge. And what it is, is you launch a cluster bomb that continuously expels airburst explosives on impact. It's kind of a mouthful. <laughs> and honestly, it is kind of a complex tactical. Um, we assumed it was going to be a little more straightforward, like mm-hmm. an explosive, just like you have a grenade launcher. Yeah. Um, but it's definitely a lot more deeper than that. Um, sort of the damage output, if you stick a player with it, it'll do 50 damage. Um, if they just get hit with it while it lands on the ground, it can do a total of 50 damage possible from the different uh, clusters. The sporadic damage kind of varies from mm-hmm. 6 to 12 per crackle if you will mm-hmm. um it's sort of complicated to actually gauge the exact damage um because it it lands it sticks it's kind of like a semtex and then it'll launch these kind of uh cluster explosives 
And so maximum 50 damage is essentially the takeaway. It does not affect teammates, but it will affect Fuse. So you can damage yourself mm-hmm. with this. Um, this tactical kind of has the kind of secret ability mm-hmm. of being able to destroy the following in just one shot. So you can destroy a Rev Totem with one shot. You can destroy Loba's Black Market Boutique with one shot. You can just completely uh, decimate oh Mirage's decoys mm-hmm. um, if Mirage is in their ultimate. And then the kind of the one shocker here for us is you can just melt through Rampart's walls. Because they have a lot of health independently on their own. And this grenade that does 50 damage to people can do like, I don't even, 250? Is it? Is that the health? The bases have 450. Oh my They're goodness. They're huge. Yeah. Like it, it's going to be really interesting to see. I love what you've just joked because everybody plays a new legend at the beginning of the season. Yeah. And it's like, well, can't really test out Rampart's buff for at least two weeks because of Fuse being everywhere. Because honestly, it doesn't feel like there's a stronger counter to a legend, at least in our opinions. Yeah, it's definitely an interesting choice to put Fuse's tactical there as kind of a, a big counter to Rampart's amped cover. Uh, but we'll get to talking about her. I'm really excited about mm-hmm. her in the future. Um, but some counters just right off the bat to this tactical. Um, Watson's pylon is definitely going to absorb these. Uh, they can't penetrate Gibraltar's bubble or destroy it. Um, but if you have a mobility legend that's fast enough, I think you can get away. It's yeah. pretty much, it has a timer like a grenade. Mm-hmm. It gives you that warning on screen. Um, we're going to be talking more about it in the future. Um, but this is a very interesting tactical that i think has a skill curve to it yeah the skill curve is going to be interesting to see uh how it develops talk to me about the ultimate and the fire that rains from above yeah so code name the mother load we were incredibly shocked by the fact that it had a 120 second cooldown this puts it in line with caustics Mm -hmm. um which is really on the bottom end of a damage dealing gibraltar is currently at 240 um which some would say is kind of the closest to compare Uh, Mm -hmm. to this ultimate and so you're going to be getting this one much much faster than gibraltar's and what it does is you launch a bombardment that encircles a target in a wall of flame it's very interesting i have a lot of opinions about it that i'm excited to continue explore in game but it explodes midair and it takes a couple of seconds to land after firing Mm -hmm. but overall I'm start. I'm leaning towards the fact that it's fast. Like it's very it fast. Is, I think there is some skill in actually placing it and launching it, but the explosion does happen fast. I don't think you have a lot of warning uh, on the enemy side of things. I feel like it is in speed comparison. It's like okay, well, it's when you throw the loba tactical. If you just press the button, you're gonna throw that thing really fast. But the time comes from lining up the bracelet and you know deciding where to go. Similar to how this ultimate works, where it's like, if you just go left trigger, right trigger, you're going to launch that thing pretty dang quickly. Yeah. But if you want to maximize it, it might take you more time to place it, zoom in if you want to on the UI, which is really cool, and see where that circle is going to be or wait it out, see if people move in there first. Like It's, it's going to totally. be complicated, and I'm excited to see what the best of the best do with this ult. Yeah, the user interface is definitely more advanced than a Gibraltar bombardment Mm -hmm. where you don't actually get to see the radius. And so here you can be a lot more precise and the range of it is incredible. Not that you necessarily want to be hitting people from a thousand meters (laughs) away, but you pretty much could be with this. So it's very interesting in that regard. 
It doesn't affect teammates, the actual fire, uh, but will affect Fuse himself. Can use it both indoors and outdoors, which was a big question here on the podcast. We were not sure mm-hmm. if you were able to get that arc uh, inside, but it does explode and burn indoors, which is interesting and a whole separate strategy in and of itself. But let's talk about the damage uh, that this bad boy can do. Damage is exciting. It's really more than what I saw in gameplay, more mm-hmm. than what people were talking about. So essentially, if you touch the fire, that's in the ring. It's going to do instantaneously 35 damage. Mm-hmm. Then you're going to have a burning effect that slows you so you can't run, kind of blurs the outsider's screen so your mm-hmm. vision's partially impaired, and it's going to do about 12 damage per tick all the way up to a maximum of 75 damage. So if you touch the fire, you're going to take 75 damage. Mm-hmm. It's just going to take about three or four seconds. And that's if you just run through it, though. Correct. If for some reason someone wants to stand in the fire or something, or it's a downed person, you'll be able to max that even higher. Yeah. So every time they're going to be touching the fire, they can take that full 75. Um, This is an incredible amount of damage. The difficulty of using it is still kind of up in the air. Mm -hmm. Um, We'll see as things settle. We'll be certainly discussing it more. But to put this in perspective, caustic gas, if you were to throw one of the Nox grenades that does six damage per second up to 12 and it increases a damage uh, each second that you're actually in the gas so that means that you have to be in the gas for six seconds in order for it to do 12 damage per tick Mm -hmm. that's what fuses fire does right off the bat and it gives you that extra 35 right off the bat yeah and so Fuse really does twice the damage, essentially, with his ultimate than Caustic. And that's, that's big. Like, and that's so, something of note. It's so interesting to look at Fuse's ultimate and compare it to, well, the damage profile doesn't line up with Caustic. It lines up more with Gibraltar's, but the cooldown lines up with Caustic's instead of Gibraltar's. And that, I think, is because of the use of it as a more of a zoning ability. It's interesting. I'm so excited to see how it plays out in the future. and how these like you know how we learn how to use it in the near future even further just like how is it most effective now let's just quickly go over kind of our initial thoughts on fuse and the abilities i know we kind of react a little bit Mm -hmm. but that tactical i think is not as devastating as we feared it could be it's not really that flashbang that we thought has a pretty tight radius short duration doesn't have any serious slow or blinding effect There is an element of disorientation from the sound and the potential flashes. Um, And we're thinking that it's a lot more effective in close quarters and indoors. And I'll just throw in that this could change. You know, this is one day into us playing the character. So these are very much first impressions. For sure. And I think another kind of first impression is that ultimate is where the real power is. Mm -hmm. Um, You, it's cooldown is at 120 for a reason. You should be using it. Um, It is difficult, but that slow effect plus the 75 damage guaranteed if you touch the fire, um, that's serious. Um, It does deal the damage to the shields uh, as well as health, so it's not just direct to health like caustic gas. A little different on that regard, Um, but it's fast. Fast cooldown, fast deployment means that, you know, if you can, you can place it properly, but this thing will and does really impact your fights. Yeah, the ultimate, seeing it in action made me realize 
Well, I theorize slightly, oh, maybe his passive will be that he's immune to fire. If he was immune to fire and you could use this inside, this it would be crazy. So that makes a lot of sense. I've seen some people on social media talking about that. If he was immune to fire, it'd be crazy indoors and just a different level. It would not be fair. Yeah. Um, but we're going to be back. Uh, Mastering the Legends with Fuse is currently scheduled out to be in two weeks from now. Um, we're grinding, so we're going to deliver the most thoughtful guide and with our honest opinions after this honeymoon period of Fuse, mm-hmm. let things settle, get some experience under our belt. And then really come at you with a, a serious strategy guide. And hopefully we're coupling it with someone that you guys really like as well. Still to be finalized right now, but we'll probably decide in the next couple of days. Let's talk now about the next big change to the season, the 30 for 30. So 30 for 30 turns out it's a heavy weapon. And although it doesn't have magazines, it does take extended mags. Interesting on how that works. But, you know, we put our you know disbelief and reality to the side for that because it makes complete sense. The weapon is probably the most exciting aspect of Season 8, and so we're really excited to see how it fits in and the gap it's being put into between the G7, Sentinel, and Longbow. Um, First impressions, maybe, because on Saturday, we're going to be doing another episode going in-depth on the 30 for 30 and how to use it most effectively and how it stacks up on the G7, but maybe just give your first impressions of the gun. I'd say it's hard. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a difficult weapon to master. Um, I don't think anybody should be giving up on it. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it fits a very interesting place. I'm excited to see kind of how things progress with it. Um, But I'm excited to do the breakdown on Saturday, play with it more. Um, It's a, I think, just like you said, this is the exciting aspect of season eight. This is really what I consider uh, the main content to be. Yeah, we'll see if this cracks into the meta and the ranked weaponry. More to come on the statistics side and deeper later this week let's talk about gold magazines though as well the next big introduction to the game and one of the biggest loot pool changes we've ever seen in apex no more gold barrel stabilizers instead we are going to be having these gold magazines light heavy energy and sniper and they give you the special effect of while holstered if your gun is empty six seconds will fully reload your weapon passively same uh, mag size as the purple, so you're not getting like an increase in bullets as well, but it's very much that while it's a secondary, you might get that free reload. It's it's a very interesting ability. I, I don't think that it's overpowered. Not at all. Um, it, It's a nice little perk. I think the biggest thing with the gold magazine is not necessarily that special benefit that the gold gear and attachment have, mm-hmm. um, but just the impact on the loot pool. Mm-hmm. And to break it down a little bit, the gold barrel stabilizer went on 10 weapons. Gold magazine now going on all four types of weapons. Mm-hmm. That's 18 weapons. And so we're looking at a lot more reach for attachments to have. Um, you couple that with the removal of the purple hop up, the double tap, and the return of the anvil that we'll talk about a little later. Um, you're kind of just looking at an overall huge surge in gold attachments. All legendary everything right now. It's pretty wild. They added five and took out one. And I think the big question here is with the addition of the gold magazines, there really should be an 80% increase in the number of what would have been Mm -hmm. the gold barrel stabilizers. And so what are are you thinking that 
you know, the gold attachments are increasing in spawn rate, or will it become more difficult to find things like turbochargers mm-hmm. and digital threats? I think our first impressions have been we've found a lot more gold so far. Outside of everything else, just on the ground randomly, I've gotten gold armor twice on King's Canyon thus far, and that is not normal. I've found a gold loot tick in my games, which is not a common thing you find on King's Canyon as well in comparison to like the cargo bots. And so I think we're going to see an overall increase in gold items. And I think that's totally fine as these gold items from the magazine perspective are not incredibly overwhelming. And I also think the other thing that's going to balance this loot pull out is the introduction of explosive holds. Absolutely. So this is kind of the new thing uh, for Kings Canyon that has replaced the the gold weapon bunkers mm-hmm. that were introduced in season five. The kind of cool thing about them is that you don't need a key card to open them. And it's not a regular door. You have to use an explosive in order to blow open the doors. And the interaction animation is fantastic thus far. It's really cool. You're pretty much unlocking it Mm -hmm. by opening up a panel and putting in a grenade. It looks very cool. You feel very much immersed in the environment. It reminds me of the taking a battery out of the Titan and throwing the grenade into the Titan animation from Titanfall. It definitely is reminiscent of that. Um, But inside these explosive holds, you're going to find weapons, ammo, and then weapon attachments, both purple and gold. And our initial feedback is there's a lot of high tier stuff Mm -hmm. in these holds. These are legit. You're going to go to them if they're nearby you. Uh, In next week, we're going to be doing a full on breakdown of Kings Canyon changes the loot and how it's affecting ranked and we're hoping to have a full list of all the locations that we know these are at that time can't just tell you off the top of our head and it's not listed anywhere unfortunately can say that there are more than there were the weapon bunkers Mm -hmm. there was four weapon bunkers uh on king's canyon those are now sealed off there's no more you know guaranteed gold weapon drops Mm -hmm. but there are now more of these and the loot's pretty crazy. It yeah. really is. The The number of turbochargers and anvil receivers is pretty extraordinary. Well, and it's extraordinary because if you don't have a weapon, you'll be able to get something. You can get the gold mag. There will always be a gold mag that matches a gun in there because there's a gun of every type. And then there is ammo in there as well. So if you're hurting for weaponry, you find one of these and you're at a gun you can comfortably close the game with. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're getting something fully kitted, which mm-hmm. is incredible. Um, but there is that downside of not having heels, not having gear, no mm-hmm, armor, definitely, um, no explosives. So it's like, you're and not going to get fully area. reset here mm-hmm. if you get respawned, like you're not going to get fully reset, but it is really nice to know if this thing's locked and I have a frag, I now have a gun that I can be confident with. Yeah. Another change to the map. We have observation towers. We have four of them scattered around the map. We have a high rate of snipers that spawn here. Um, what have been your first impressions of the observation towers? Cause we kind of compared this as the X factor that could maybe change gameplay in certain areas of the map. Yeah. I mean, Shay, we talk a lot about high ground, mm-hmm. you know, impacting fights. Um, and so I think I was very excited about this. Haven't had the chance to explore all four of them yet, mm-hmm. but my initial reactions are they're not as, uh, powerful as i imagined they are not dominant they're not dominant they're not quite high enough there's not quite enough cover to really feel like okay 
if I deploy one of these, I can now command this entire area. Mm-hmm. You're not, you're not, it's not build your own power position. Like yeah. in many circumstances, there are places that have nearly the same amount of height, if not um, more, with more cover mm-hmm. right next to you. So it's a little iffy. I don't think it's as impactful as maybe I was hoping it would be. Um, but it is kind of a cool new mechanic that allows you to interact with the environment, kind of create your own luck, if you will. Um, and I think having the snipers spawn there is something that I really like about uh, Olympus mm-hmm. and that location. So I think it's cool. Not as impactful as I thought to like gunplay, but cool, I think, at the very least from a loot perspective. Yeah, we've been able to octane jump pad up there and we've gotten forced out of there quite easily with grenades already. And so how they impact gameplay and ranked particularly will be interesting to see um, if maybe you get a Watson or a Rampart up there, if there can be a really strong build your own point. But like even at the same time, like you're saying, there's still a lot of surrounding area that competes just as well, if not better than that. So it's almost like a backup spot for a lot of cases. Yeah, it very well could be a really great fit for Rampart. Mm -hmm. You know, it could be that. I think it depends on the area and where the other teams around you are. They don't appear to be just outright power positions in their current build where they're at. Let's talk about Crash Site. The new... I don't know if I should say new POI because it's a new area of the map entirely. It's a new POI, but above artillery where there was a mountain range, there is now a big hole and a huge playable area labeled crash site. Do you want to walk them through maybe what the area looks like? We really dove into the lore last week around it. so It's really cool. I think the look of all the changes uh, to the map this season are really attractive. I think mm-hmm. they're really solid changes. What I'll say about just my brief impressions on plane and crash site is you have to play the buildings. Yeah. There are not as many bins and ground loot um, through the rubble and the rocks as maybe you'd expect. Mm-hmm. Um, so you really have to be doing good on the drop or really shooting for those buildings um, because that's where you're going to be finding your armor and your weapons. Um, it's a really cool spot though. I really like how it connects to artillery. Um, I really like, uh, the scale of the actual crash ship. So I like it. I'm, I'm into crash site. I think it's a good addition to the map. I think it's really cool how it's structured in that you have the three areas on the ground that all funnel up to that, you know, king of the hill a la style ship. And that is really interesting to see, uh, And I'm excited to see how more reasonable fights take place there. Because right now it's just the new POI, absolute chaos. Mm -hmm. There's like eight to ten teams there every time. And that's just not reasonable for what it's going to be in ranked in the next two and a half weeks. And so we'll give some updated thoughts as we go on. But from a playable perspective, like you said, the buildings and those buildings are weird. We can talk about them more with Spotted Lakes, but they are very different. Yeah, let's dive into kind of just the changes and balancing for season eight. That was kind of all the new content mm-hmm. that we have under our belt. Now, what has been changed? And the most notable change on the map is Slum Lakes becoming Spotted Lakes. And it looks amazing. It's Absolute, a great yeah. facelift. Like, Slums was not the best POI on the map, mm-hmm. didn't have the best loot, didn't have this. I didn't like the trenches of the gunplay. No. It was just kind of a little bland and not very fun. I think it's definitely gotten a great refresher with Spotted. 
It has gotten a great refresher. And like I was saying, with those buildings that are echo kind of the crash site and other areas of the map as well, sprinkled in, I'm just going to give you my first impressions of it. We'll do deep dives when we go into like ranked and how to play certain areas and such. But those buildings have a strong lack of windows. And because of that, you have to be confident playing the inside of it. You're not going to be able to get out funneled and flanked like these circular buildings on Olympus are where you can get shot from every angle. And so attacking these buildings is something that I think is going to be pretty dang difficult when people are held up in there. Yeah, I think the the lack of windows is definitely big. Mm-hmm. Um, the kind of the cool element on top of these buildings is the fact that they have the zip lines uh, put into the middle yeah. to get you up to that uh, rooftop, which is cool. And that can go both ways. People mm-hmm. can come down mm-hmm. from the top. Um, but I think it's a little more predictable without having all those windows everywhere like we have on uh, Olympus. Yeah. So I like the buildings there. I like the colors there. The water is great. Um, the, just the health of the rotations coming out of now spotted lakes, I think is a definite improvement. Um, I'm excited about this. I think it's a good thing. We're not going to say any bold things about kind of how this is going to yeah. influence massive rotations on the map. Shay and I think that Capacitor and Rig are amazing POIs, mm-hmm. um, but they're still not nearly as contested as what Salvages and Gauntlet. So yeah. we'll see if this will pull people up to the north side, maybe as intended, um, but I'm not holding my breath. Yeah. On the topic of rotations, we also had changes to artillery, and that includes two new routes uh, to crash site. You have the destroyed back wall, which is for the longest time had broken pipes and stuff, and people have always thought it really was supposed to go somewhere and now it does and then you also have a pretty big uh, hole in the tunnel off to the you know side of artillery that funneled you down into uh what's the name of the area down there containment yeah. yeah and so that's now opened up and you can get to crash site there as well so that northern area has a lot of rotations you know we're gonna play it in depth for this next week so next week we can give you guys a real thoughtful approach to how we think this actually impacts the flow of the game but overall, I'll just say the first impressions are I'm really liking it. I think it's an opened up area of the map in total with crash site, artillery, and spotted now. I'm enjoying that area a lot as I enjoyed Rift and Compassor when they were added in and just an overall improvement to the map size. I mean, artillery is a high tier loot area. Mm-hmm. Um, back in the early days of Apex, it was one of the most contested drops. Like you had Skulltown, Bunker, and Artillery. That was kind of the big three. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like in the last year, it's kind of fallen out of favor. And so I think this little refresher and getting the attention back on the north could uh, bring some people into thinking that artillery is their favorite drop because it's really a unique POI. Definitely. Let's talk about some more changes now. Uh, specifically, it's talking specifically talking about the hop-ups and the return of the anvil. The double tap has been vaulted for now, and in its place we have the return of the gold hop-up anvil receiver. The anvil receiver is a hop-up for the R301 and flatline, which allows the select fire to single fire to deal more damage with a reduced fire rate and consuming two rounds of ammo per shot. Drop the data. So the when it goes on the R301, normally... Uh, when it's in the single fire, it'll do 14 to the body and 28 to the head. With the anvil, it'll do 35 to the body and 70 to the head. Um, that's a lot of damage. You know, that puts it in line uh, with other single fire weapons. Um, and it's really solid. You know, that's more of a more than a two times multiplier on mm-hmm. the damage 
but it does consume those two bullets out of your inventory. So you're kind of decreasing your mag size a little mm-hmm. bit when you're popping it into the single fire when you have the anvil receiver. Then with the flat line, normally you're going to have a body damage of 19 and headshot of 38. With the anvil, bumps up to 43 and 86 on that head. So you can do some serious damage with the anvil receiver. It just gives you a lot of flexibility to go into those medium or longer ranges. And really with the R301 and the flatline, they're great picks when you have this attachment because mm-hmm. you just have incredible versatility to go full auto and close and then really dish out some serious damage at that medium range. We really thought this hop-up was gone for good because we thought it was too impactful on the G7 and Hemlock meta in of itself. And so to see it come back, I think we're going to overall, Henry and I are in agreement that we're in a bit more of a long range meta with the return of this hop up and the introduction of the 30 for 30. Maybe we'll dive into that deeper later, but this is a gun now that I'd said it before that we started recording, but if I have an anvil receiver, you guys all know how much we love the G7. I drop my G7 or the R301 if I have an anvil solely for like Henry was saying, versatility standpoint, pretty much every time. And that's a big deal, I think, in a loot pool perspective. It it really is. And with that anvil, with the R301, you're putting it at G7 damage. Yeah. You know, that pretty much is putting it in line. Um, I think we were both shocked that mm-hmm. this thing was coming back just because, like you said, it put that pressure on those other single fire ARs. Um, but more so, this is a gold hop up that we're getting back in and we lost the purple hop up. Yeah. Haven't really done that before. They've mm-hmm. really in the last two years, put that pressure on keeping the amount of gold and purple things even. And with this season, it feels like just the walls are blasted off mm-hmm. and we are going for gold. They changed the skull piercer from a purple to a gold attachment to match that, you know, yeah. loot pool balance. So very interesting to see. Let's talk now about some weapon balancing for the season, starting with the EVA 8 that got a fire rate increase from 2 to 2.1. Yeah, so this is a a slight buff, you could say, for the EVA 8. Um, The fact that it lost the double tap Mm -hmm. is definitely going to hurt its close quarters time to kill. Uh, But taking just a little look at what that time to kill is going to look like, if you are going up against somebody with 200 health or purple armor, it's going to take you 1.41 seconds to knock them with the EVA 8 used to be 1.48 seconds. So this is only a 0.07 second faster time to kill. Not dramatic. Feels like a, let's throw it a bone because we took it the double tap away, but I'm happy to be proved wrong about the EVA sometime soon. Overall, you know, we were just talking about the EVA on a Patreon episode. It went Mm -hmm. super in depth on all the shotguns. It was really fun. The EVA is definitely one that you can't miss out on. This is not a significant buff. This mm-hmm. is really what you need to be taking away. Don't get excited. Don't shed too many tears for losing the double tap um, because I think we're getting an upgrade with the anvil. Mm-hmm. Um, but EVA 8 is still strong, but do not be fooled that it got a buff this season. For sure. Uh, next, we have alternator damage increase from 15 to 16 per shot. Another uh, one tick. Yeah, so we got one tick of damage uh brought up back in season five Mm -hmm. so we're doing that now another time in season eight um maybe we'll catch them back in season 11 (laughs) uh, with another one Uh, but essentially now the if you're hitting body shots the damage per second 
went from 160 to 170. And what that means in real life, on a time to kill perspective, if you're going against someone with purple armor, you're going to be able to knock them um, in 1.17 seconds from 1.25. And, you know, that's a 6% increase um, in damage potential. It's nothing major. Um, we're going to take a look at the time to kill of the other SMGs and kind of just try to remember that 1.17 seconds is where the alternator is right now. Yeah. With that, we have the Volt that had a damage decrease from 16 to 15 per shot. Break that one down and tell me why the Volt is uh, hurting a little bit maybe from this one. Yeah, so the alternator and Volt had the flip-flop there of 15, 16. Mm -hmm. It's kind of confusing in your head. But essentially, the body DPS for the Volt went from 208 down to 195. And crossing that 200 threshold can be felt in game. Mm -hmm. um, the time to kill. Um, went from being under a second at 0.96 seconds to 1.02 seconds. Um, you know, this is nothing major. Mm -hmm, I'm not mm -hmm. being hysterical about this. Volt is an absolutely solid weapon. Um, the accuracy requirement, if you're following us for a while, you want to listen back to our Volt episode last December, mm -hmm. um, the accuracy requirement went up by 3%. So it's now 3% more difficult <laughs> to knock people. Really not, not super major. But what's interesting here is compare it to the R99 that has a time to kill of 1.01 second and the Prowler of an even one second time to kill. Now the Volt is just slightly, slightly under the R99 in terms of time to kill. So when it was a step ahead, it was a step ahead. They're still very much in line, mm -hmm. but that's as balanced as you could possibly make the SMGs. Yeah. There is nothing else you could do in terms of fire rate or damage or clip size mm -hmm. in order to balance that time to kill the smgs are as balanced as humanly possible it's a great meta right now for the smgs let's talk about the last change on the season the spitfire damage increase from 18 to 19 and the tactical reload increase by 0.4 seconds and the full reload increase by more than 0.5 seconds interesting change for sure yeah, it's now the longest reload in the game, even longer than the Devotion. Mm -hmm. um, that 15% increase in reload time, pumping it all the way up to almost four seconds at 3.8, mm -hmm. is definitely drastic. It's going to be felt. It's going to be felt. Um, but that damage per second impact of going up one tick makes it go from 154 damage per second to 162. Time to kill wise, it goes from 1.29 seconds to 1.23 seconds and that's hard to understand like there's a lot of numbers that we try to throw out throw out at you but the accuracy is really the main part that we care about accuracy requirement if you have a purple mag and you're going up against somebody with purple armor mm -hmm. it used to take 20 percent accuracy to get the knock now it only takes 21.8 percent accurate not a huge change. Mm -hmm. You know, that's a tiny, tiny, tiny buff to damage. It's hard to even call it a buff. Overall, is it a buff or a nerf? I would say it's more of a nerf with that 15% increase to the reload time. I think it is a uh, buff for Rampart. Like, I think now she's got an even better reason to use this gun because she's not as going to be impacted uh, by the reload speed as everybody else is. And now she's got uh, more reasoning from a damage perspective to use this gun. But overall... Uh, it's definitely not all positive just that the damage went up. 
for sure. And these are significant changes in reload time. These are nothing to scoff at. Absolutely. And the last weapon change of the season, our fully kitted goal weapons this season are now the R301, 3030 repeater, Mozambique, longbow DMR, and the Spitfire. I've gotten the longbow. Absolutely shredded with it. So obviously best gun in the game. And <laughs> this is a really good lineup, I think. I'm yeah. excited for this. Spitfire being gold is strong. Arthur one being gold is strong. So Mozam I'm excited strong. for this. Yeah. For sure. For sure. Let us talk now about what we love the most every season, the legend balancing changes for season eight. We're gonna start it off by talking about horizon. We have the gravity lift effective cooldown increase from twenty one to twenty five seconds. And the 15 second cooldown timer will now start when the gravity lift disappears. Time for a little story time because this one confused us a little bit and we had to really dive into it. So gravity lift releases, you throw it down, instantaneously the cooldown begins. That was changed with the fight night collection event and the gravity lift increased effective cooldown from 16 to 21 seconds. And so you added the uh, extra delay on when you threw the gravity lift down and then the before your cooldown started so the change to when the cooldown starts has now changed three times from one second to six seconds and now 10 seconds so on that first nerf that everybody talks about her win rate actually increased which is interesting you know i think people were still getting used to the play style and such and so there's a note there to take but really we were expecting more and here's the dev note i think it's kind of important to note for this character Horizon really strong to the point where she rivals Wraith in win rate and pick rate. For the time being, we're monitoring her usage and checking whether or not the cooldown changes have a significant effect. Henry and I have spoken in the past about how we think mobility legends are very strong in this game for a reason, because they're attractive and they're very solid. And this change was not what we were expecting from a nerf perspective on how hyped it felt like this nerf was going to be and how many options they talked about them having yeah i mean it's certainly shocking to see horizon skyrocket to the top even take the crown from wraith and not really be hit with a heavy hand uh, on the balancing side Mm -hmm. um just shocked not disappointed actually kind of excited about it definitely Um, we like the idea of allowing legends and their play styles to be strong um, I also like rewarding players for having fun. Mm-hmm. If you are having fun and Horizon isn't actually disrupting gameplay and making situations blatantly unfair. Muddy then, in combat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let the players use her. I think that she has a really nice team element in her kit with that tactical. Um, but just kind of shocking that at the split of season seven, we got a five second nerf to her tactical. Now, in Season 8, we're getting another four seconds. Mm-hmm. It's a little less impactful than what happened in Season 7, and Season 7 actually led to an increase in win rate. So, Shay and I don't think this is going to bring her down. Mm-mm. But it's there. Yeah, I think that's the best way to put it. Let's talk about Wraith now, the big one. Touchy subject for a lot of people. Uh, hitbox size has been increased while staying true to her model. Devs compared this to Pathfinder's hitbox change in Season 7 that, according to them, got his power under control. Talk to the people about some of the concerns we have about that idea and concept. Yeah, I mean, we we heard that straight from Daniel on our show. Mm-hmm. He equated Pathfinder's decrease in pick rate and win rate to the fact that they kind of tweaked that hitbox and actually increased his size by 20%. Mm-hmm. 
Um, we believe that maybe Pathfinder's uh, shift in popularity and pick rate specifically is based around the fact that a lot of players that played Pathfinder switched ships and are now playing Horizon. Myself included. Yeah. So I think that's a really good point to bring up. And this hitbox changes. I'm cool with it. Like, I think it's needed for the legend that's been at the top to come down a little bit. And if this is the path they think that could do that, feel free to try it. You know, they're the experts. The only issue with this change is we probably won't know if it has any impact for a season or so. You know, they're going to have to collect some data and hopefully we get that information back in some way, shape or form. Uh, But this is going to be a tough one for you to feel and point to as reasons why Wraith or you as Wraith could be struggling. It's very hard to point to because we look at kind of the only clear data that's not muddied by anything is that pick rate. Mm -hmm. And that's even not 100%. So pick rate is the thing that you're looking at. I don't think by just doing hitbox changes alone, players are going to change their legend or change their main. What maybe could be tweaked is the win rate. Maybe you hit, you know, that one extra shot and mm-hmm. maybe that actually does make a difference to the games that Wraiths win. Yep. But I'm not convinced that's actually going to happen based on the fact that I'm not sure that worked with Pathfinder and Wraith still has invisibility. Invincibility. Invincibility. Yeah. So it, it's very difficult uh, to actually point to that and say, this is going to be another successful mission when the last mission, I'm not really sure went the way they wanted it to with their balancing technique. This will be monitored and we'll report back to you guys when we have stronger opinions uh, based more on some numbers coming back for you guys. Next, we have rampart changes. Sheila angle increased from 120 to 180 degrees. Along with that, the wall health in the build phase increased from 1 HP to 45 HP with the caveat that sniper rounds still pierce through. Catch Henry cranking 90s on King's Canyon as Rampart. I'm really excited about this. We spoke kind of at length about how this could really bring her in line with some playability that Gibraltar has of having that kind of close quarters, extra 45, 50 health. Um, I see really cool potential in this um, for a lot of Different play styles, uh, being able to stick kind of crazy reses, being able to grab a uh, little high ground or corners mm-hmm. quickly, um, which I think is something that Rampart needs. She needs that kind of on the fly power that she does not have. And I think this is completely fair. I'm excited to see it shake down. Like we said at the top of the episode, Fuse is going to be so popular at least for the next two weeks that I don't see Rampart really having a lot of room to explore mm-hmm. this buff. But if she does get the get the air to breathe, I'm really, really excited to see how Rampart might be able to shine with this change. Totally fair. Next, we have Octane. And I'm going to go out of my way and say that maybe this is the biggest change of the season. Okay? Be bold. I love this change. Launchpad remastered. I'm loving it. So now if you hit the jump pad from a standing position, that's going to launch players in a high arc the speed and trajectory of the good old super jump that went away when they added the double jump because of an input uh, error. But if you now hit it from a crouched position, the players will launch along a low arc, meaning they'll fly lower, but further in horizontal direction. I think this change is one that I feel, like I as the Octane player feel this drastically because I still have the double jump on top of it. 
I'm sending it far on the crouches and I am getting up, up, up on the super jumps now. Yeah, I think the speed is something you can really feel. You slide mm-hmm. into one of these, you're going to really feel that boost and get that extra distance, plus the fact that you have a, a double jump. Mm-hmm. And the wonderful thing about this is it doesn't just impact Octane, it impacts everyone that uses the jump pad, yep. mostly their team. Mm-hmm. One of the craziest things that we kind of had to point out was at Gauntlet, that change in jump pads and the fact that jump pads are everywhere completely changes how that was played. Um, the rooftops on top of those larger buildings are now completely accessible from that center ring of fire jump pad. Just jump right up there and that get you. That surprised us. Big shock, big change to just how you play that area. But overall, this is a big buff to just the mobility and speed of Octane and their team. Yeah. Quick change to crypto. They removed the ability to stick arc stars to friendly drones. We didn't think it was a huge deal. Kind of sad to see the fun play go, but if it was impacting, you know, levels of play that it was causing frustration, totally fair. Next, we have Loba. You can now loot inside unopened care packages, and the gear inside there is now visible with eye for quality and accessible through the Black Market Boutique. Super, super interesting. Just another little thing to Loba that we, we really like her as a character, and she's the best at what she does, and that's great. Loba's really fun. She's kind of a challenge uh, with their bracelet, but the looting abilities that she has are not to be joked around with. No. Like, do not underestimate Loba's abilities to mm-hmm. do what she does because she's really fun to play. If you're going for that loot, you're beating people to purple armor, like, mm-hmm. she's good at that. We were really not anticipating the fact that they were going to make care packages accessible to the black market. They we seemed to vary against it in the past. They, it seemed like they would never do this because they wanted you to have to do that risk in order to go to, for the care package. Like That's kind of the whole point of them coming down early or later in the game to get people out of cover, mm-hmm. to you know go from your camping spot out to these care packages to get your Prowler or your Kraber. Now with Loba, you don't have to do that. So love and Loba. Definitely. Next change, Caustic. All gas now dissipates as soon as Caustic's team is eliminated. This was apparently a seven season bug that was in the game. What do you think about this one? Is it going to satisfy some people that have frustrations around Caustic? Maybe, you know, this would happen occasionally to me. It definitely has killed me in the past. Mm -hmm. Nice little cleanup. Um, I think this is all good. For sure. Last but not least, certainly not least, Mirage. Mirage decoys create footstep sounds. This was apparently mistakenly put in the fight night patch notes and has not yet been had not yet been rolled out at the time. It's now in the game. We'll see how it, you know, affects things. I think it's going to be interesting to it's going to take a while to learn with Fuse being able to just destroy Mirage ults right now entirely. Uh, but it's funny that we all thought it was in the game for half a season and nobody really noticed or questioned it because I think that's just kind of what you expect out of Mirage at this point. It's sad, but I mean, we shared our excitement for this yeah. uh, during fight night. We were like, this is going to be pretty impactful. And then in game, we were never really sure if we were hearing things. Mm-hmm. It wasn't clear. So I'm excited to continue to play, play a little Mirage, go against some Mirage and kind of see, is this significant? Yeah. Now let's wrap it up with the quality of life changes to the game. We now have a damage counter built into the game HUD. We know a lot of you are going to be really happy to, you know, chase down those damage badges. Uh, we've 
been talking about this for a long time as an addition that I think is going to be a fun addition to the game. I know you have a fun point, though, that you always like to bring up with this one. Well, it's it's hard to tell if you're on pace, mm-hmm. you know, and so I worry that people are going to be discouraged by seeing their damage and say, oh, I have one kill, but I only have 50 damage. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't feel bad about that ever. Like I would never beat yourself up or let your friends beat you up or beat up your friends like in an early game situation where people don't have armor. Hopefully you're playing with your friends and so you're working together to get kills. You only really want to be at that nice little 200 uh, per kill average in the late game. Once people have, you know, their full purple and red armor and mm-hmm. you're in longer range engagements, that's kind of where things shake out. Um, but I think for the most part, this is going to help people get those 2K badges mm-hmm. without a doubt. I agree. Also, pinging ammo now shows you the count of ammo you have in the quick chat on the right of the screen. Another fun little quality of life change. Let's summarize, though. What are your overall thoughts on the changes and introduction of Season 8? I'm excited. Mm -hmm. You know, I enjoy King's Canyon. I've never not liked King's Canyon. It's gone through some hard things in the the public eye, but I'm excited to be back. I'm excited uh, to play this whole week out uh, on King's Canyon. And Fuse, I love his personality. Love his voice Mm -hmm. lines. Love just the tone of his voice. I think he's such a unique character at 54 years old. Mm -hmm. And I can't wait to dive into his kit and really bring the pain with all these explosives he's got. Yeah. I echo a lot of the things you say there. Um, I'm going to miss World's Edge this season. I'm excited to see what comes from a collection event standpoint with this big anniversary collection event. And I'm also really excited to see what LTMs happen with the new takeover style, if that's going to be continued or not. I think this season has a lot of exciting things coming to it with the Switch going to be introduced one month in as well. And so there's a lot of fun stuff to point to. The map changes are beautiful thus far. The overall map size has been increased. Uh, I'm loving the introduction of the dive diamond trails again, giving us a real reason to grind ranked. Uh, I'm excited. I think it's going to be a fun one. Looking forward to the future of Apex Legends. Let's wrap it up now with some five-star questions. Question today coming from Marvel Mayhem. Five stars. This is one of the best podcasts about Apex out there. I listen every week, and the next episode can never come soon enough. Well, now we have two episodes a week, mm-hmm. my friend. Two things. First, what legends do you think release the strongest and the weakest? Second, what legend would you give an heirloom to, and what would it be? Great question. Um, release the strongest, Horizon. I think that's very easy for me to point to and say that data supports it and the player base feedback supports it uh weakest i would personally go with rev i think there's arguments for some other ones but rev the fact that he instantly had so much overhaul to his kit because people recognized there was a real lack of strength there i think people were scared of this whole idea of being able to die and not die is an intimidating ability but overall he just released two weak even his tactical got changed, the passive got changed. It, it, he got completely buffed in every way, shape, and form. Absolutely. I, I can't disagree or say anything better. If we're looking at legends that came out on release, mm-hmm. um, I think that the strongest legend was Wraith. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the weakest, I think you could maybe say Gibraltar. Yeah. Um, but you could also say Mirage as mm-hmm. well. So I think that's that. Um, if we were to give a legend an heirloom, we have a lot of choices, to be honest. It's a tough choice. Um, 
you know, and I'm not maining anybody right now, particularly. So I don't have yeah, like a easy, easy answer. answer. So, um, I, you know, the legend I love character wise. And if I got the heirloom, I would have a really good reason to play her. And I just love her character so much as Watson. Like I would love to see a Watson heirloom, uh, solely for that reason. I think the team seems to love her, her relations with the Nessie dolls and all that kind of stuff as well. Like I think there's cool as well, cool room for her with the electricity to do fun stuff. Yeah, I saw a concept on Instagram that was like a, a fencing sword, oh, but it was electrified. That's awesome. And I thought it was hilarious because fencing, I kind of see as being a French avant-garde mm-hmm, activity, mm-hmm. but then she also puts down fences. And yeah. so that's just awesome. That's great. Um, the legend that I would like to see have an heirloom is Crypto. Oh, yeah. Because I think he has a great just character model. And I think you could do some really cool things with maybe like uh, augmented reality or some Ooh. sort of like hologram mm-hmm. thing. Because, you know, the inspections are mm-hmm. really, it's not just the base of the heirloom mm-hmm. that people care about. It's those inspections. Um, and so I think you could do some cool things with him using, manipulating some sort of technology. Awesome. Great question. Thank you so much for listening. Next episode, Diving Deep into the 30 for 30 comes out on Saturday. Make sure you subscribe on Apple Pods. Give us a follow on Spotify. Leave a five-star review through question. We'll answer it on our next episode. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Third Party Pod. Sub to our YouTube channel, The Third Party Podcast, and stop by our weekly stream. Check out the Discord via the link in the description below. Thank you so much for listening to The Third Party Podcast. Peace. Hey now, another squad coming in. Whole squad down. Hey, brother, not today. Maybe tomorrow. <laughs>